So this morning we're going to continue a uh, series we're working through in Philippians. And um, I'm just going to jump right into it here this morning. Uh, we've been reading the, and studying the book of Philippians together. Matter of fact, our mission teams have been studying it together as well. Um, but I uh, felt compelled to preach on it. And so we're going to be doing that for the next few weeks. I don't know how long exactly. Um, and this morning we're talking about this idea of worthy. Worthy. I wanted to start with a question, pretty straightforward, but I want to know, what do, you, what do you think is the value of a human life? Right? What is the value of a human life? Um, we just got up here the, and we commissioned a group of people that we're going to send into a foreign country. Um, we've been to Honduras before. There's a bit of a deception about Honduras. So you can be there and you can think you're still in the States, you know, because it feels sort of like the United States, but it's not. Um, I remember the first time I realized that in Honduras, we were uh, going through a checkpoint, and there was a guy holding an M16, right, and, and asking for donations for the school districts with a gun. We thought about trying that at Family Bible Church, by the way. <laughs> That's a great idea. Thanks for the revelation, Father. No, um, but it was funny. But, you know, we have people in our country, that, but all of a sudden you go, wow, this is a different place. There's different authority here, right? What's the value of human life? Uh, um, I don't tell this story lightly, but we, we saw people who had died in Honduras. Freaky. You know, the services are like they are here, and people, it takes a while to get services out when someone passes away. Sometimes we ask that question in regards to babies. What's the value of human life? An unborn child. What's the value of uh, human life when it's an old woman or an old man i think it's funny because every time we think about a different kind of look at it it looks a little different to us what's the value matter of fact um what's the value of your life you what are you worth i know a bunch of people who would say life is valuable but they don't see themselves as valuable they would have a position but, but they wouldn't understand that themselves. I know as we send out our teams, it's not a joke, and this is very serious stuff, and, and, and we don't know what's going to happen. It makes us realize the value of each and every life. This morning, we're going to talk from Philippians um, about being worthy and what that looks like. And I'm going to read the scripture today. If you want to turn there, you can turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We're going to cover three verses, 27 through 30. And I'm going to read this together. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, we have them out there for you. It's on page 818. This is what the Word says. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now hear that I still have. I'm going to ask that we would pray as we always do, when you read your Bible on your own, you read your Bible at friends, you read your Bible at church, we always pray for God's inspiration. He inspired it to be written, and he can inspire us to understand it. So please join me in prayer this morning. 
Uh, Father God, we give you praise and thanks for this time of worship. Give you praise and thanks for a time of commissioning of a team that's going to go into all the world and share the gospel. We give you a prayer and thanks for this time in your word. We pray, Father God, that it be fruitful for us, that we would know you more fully by the right understanding of your word, that you would inspire us to understand it, Father, because without you, we can know nothing. And Father, we pray for wisdom and insight. I pray that the words of my mouth would be glorifying to you, Father, and that you would work in all of our hearts and minds to change our lives by what we hear today. May you be glorified as your people repent and believe the good news. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, right? And he, uh, he says, whatever happens, and I'm going to spend some time on this first sentence, and then we're going to kind of talk through the rest of what's going on here. But he says, whatever happens. Last week, Paul talked about life and death. He said that. He said to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he said, I'm not sure which one I want because to be with God is better than being here. Remember, he kind of discussed the reality of a situation. Uh, sometimes we can make light of, of the struggles that believers have, but Paul's was very real, the struggles for the gospel. And I wonder, as we look at our own lives, and I'm going to ask you to do this with me this morning, if you look at your own life, do you ever take stock of it? Like, do you ever do an inventory of your life and wonder, you know, what value does it have? As a matter of fact, a really hard question I think that you could ask is, and this is a crazy one, but I, and I was like, wow. I mean, I think it's crazy when I ask myself of it. If I were to die tomorrow, would my life have been worth living? Sometimes we spend so much time concerned for, for safety, we don't, we don't take risks and have, live a life worth living. What if you took stock? Do you ever do that? A lot of times in transitional periods of our life, when someone dies or when we get to a certain age or whenever we have a, a life trans, transition, like a marriage or a birth, um, we, we begin to wonder. Sometimes it's known as like a, the midlife crisis, right? You, you begin to wonder, what am I doing with my life? I've been following everyone else my whole, whole life. And I haven't thought about what my life is worth. What am I doing with it? Well, Paul today, he says, whatever happens, whatever happens, you. Um, and I think that uh, we, it's good to reflect on that. If we die tomorrow, would our life be worth living? Have been worth living. This is what he says. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy. He literally means like as citizens, behave in a way that's valuable as citizens. And I think we can read this in our dual citizenship. I'm going to talk for a minute about how we are really dual citizens, right? If we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we are dual citizens here on this earth. We are human like everyone else, and we screw up and we don't do things right. We get it wrong. I mean, that, that happens. It, it's, it's part of who we are, and we acknowledge that before God. And, and so when we enter into a place like Honduras or your neighbor's yard or work, you know, or your marriage, um, you, you realize that you're just human. And, and we can't kind of over-spiritualize things and be like, oh, I can't make mistakes. I can't, I gotta be perfect. It's just not the reality. Um, we are part of the citizenry of the, of the earth. I was gonna say the United States too, by the way. You'll notice when you go to other countries, you'll realize you're a dual, you're a citizen here. You're not a dual citizen, you're a citizen here because you're not a citizen there. 
And you don't know that really until you leave sometimes, that that's true. But if you believe in Jesus, if you know the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're also a citizen of heaven. We, we say words like born again, born anew, but literally it means you have a different destination. You will be with God forever, and therefore your dual citizen status means something. So even as you're here, right, you conduct yourselves in a manner worthy as citizens here, but also as citizens of eternity. And this helps us so much because I can tell you this, like in our culture here, and it would be like the United States itself, if you can get by with something and not get caught, hey, you know, that's all right. Everybody does it. Everybody's trying to get ahead. And, and you conduct yourself in that way, that's okay. But when you look at your dual citizenship and you realize that your, your eternal destiny is different, you can, wait a minute, that's not okay. Because these things are temporal. The, the word says they're passing away. And so we realize together that uh, we are to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy. Now, it's interesting because condu it, it, I, the conduct yourself thing, it's like be citizens who are valuable. That's really what it says. Be citizens who are valuable, right? The idea of being valuable is, and I love this, this image that keeps coming out of Philippians, but it's this idea of weight, right? A scales. Worth your weight in gold. Have you ever heard that, right? Some of the loading crew this morning were worth their weight in gold, right? Um, someone in your life sometimes is, is like that. They have substance. It's measurable. It's palpable. They're not like that kind of light, fair-weather friend, man. They're there. They're like a rock. And that's what it means. It means to be a citizen who has weight, who comes with substance. Maybe you would say comes with some authority. But Paul did, and, and, and we can stop there, and I will say this to you, that that's where most of the world religions stop. The most of the world religions stop at be a good person, be a good contributor, be, be a good soldier, be a good employee, be a good son or daughter, be a good parent, and that's where it stops. That's the whole expectation of most religion. Be good. But that's not where Paul stops when he's talking to the church in Philippi. He, he doesn't just say, go out and be good, Philippi. Go, go out and, and, and uh, be a good citizen in Philippi. And he's writing to people who are oppressed and are put upon by those who would oppose them. But here's the next part, and, and this is the key. Um, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And I'm going to make the argument with you that he is saying that the way we behave and act here is far more important about our eternal destiny than about our present situation. Be, be a good ambassador for the gospel. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. And all of a sudden... Just being good enough to fit in the United States isn't good enough anymore. You know what I mean? Like, just um, being a good person, obeying the speed limits. You, um, you know what that means. Um, I don't know, keeping your lawn cut. I don't know what it is to be a good neighbor, you know, make a dish or something. I don't know what it is, right? Be good, like, isn't good enough anymore. He says, be, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. 
And this is where we get into more what we're doing with Honduras and, and Africa and Family Bible Church. We are called to be heralds of good news, right? We're called to be bringers of good news. And he says, conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy of those who are called to share good news. And that's different than what's happening in our culture. And that's what's actually interesting because it goes then beyond our culture and to all the world. You can go to Honduras and share good news with Hondurans. You can go to Kenya and share good news with Kenyans. Guatemala with Guatemalans. Missourians with Missourians. <laughs> you can go into a foreign country and share good news that's beyond your local context. The word is euangelion. Uh, I apologize for the Greek, but it's evangelism. That's where the word comes from. It means you bring good news, right? I don't know if we have much of a context for herald anymore. What do you think, Brooke? You know what a herald is? You know what a herald is, Chris? Anybody? A herald? Fucking like a proclamation. Is that what it is? You know where you'll see it? You'll see it in the title of newspapers. Do you know what newspapers are? Barely, <laughs> right? You'll see it. That's why. Back in the day, and I'm going to display my age, and I'm not even embarrassed about it. They used to stand on the corner and say, what? Extra, extra, read all about it. That was a special edition, by the way. Proclaiming news to the nations. Get your news here right now. Buy your paper. Find out the latest. How does this work today in culture? How does this work? I'm going to walk this out for a minute with you. Bring good news. How does it work? When you go to Honduras or you go to your neighbor or you go to your friends or you go to work or you go to your spouse and you're trying to share the good news of the gospel, how does it work? It's a heralding opportunity. What does that mean? You're like that dude in the corner. Extra, extra, read all about it. Why is that a heralding position? I'll say two things about it. First, because you have something to share. That's why it's called the Herald, the newspapers, because they're sharing information with you right? But the second thing is this. It's timely information. It's timely information. It comes, they would publish an extra paper when there was extra news to talk about, right? The way it would happen now, it, was, it would be like a tweet or, 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 or it would be uh, um, an, uh, whatever, like a, a news organization would blast up. You know, that little ticker that runs at the bottom of your cable programming, or it would be some, you know, the, the Skywarn uh, a Doppler radar thing that goes, you know, all over your station. It takes over your favorite program. I mean, it's this news that you have to hear right now. It's like the code red alerts that Highland sends out on the phones. Take cover. There's a storm coming. It's timely information that's important information. And you go, great. But the gospel has been shared for 2,000 years. And you're right. But here's the thing. I want you to recognize, and I'm talking to all of you, that there will come moments in your life, if you know Jesus as Savior, there will come moments in your life where you'll be sitting with someone and it will be the moment for them that they need to hear some good news. God will arrange that situation for you. And in the moment when you're standing there and they say, I just don't get it, I, I just, I, something's not right, or, or I don't know what it is. Or, or God will reveal that to you as an opportunity, and you're either going to share the good news, which is a bold move, or you're going to kind of whiff at it. You're going to kind of back off and talk about, you know, something else. 
change the subject. It gets awkward, man. But I want you to know that when Paul says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, he means that there are opportunities and moments that we should be prepared for. And that's not just for teams going to other countries, man. That's for us right here. Have you ever sat in that seat before? Have you ever been across the table from a friend who you love dearly and they don't understand what's happening in their life? I mean, I'm trying to think of words that aren't so trapped and we, we turn off as religious, but you know, they're lost. Now I mean lost like I'm going to hell lost, but I mean they have no understanding of life and what it's about. They've run out of answers. They've used all the drugs they can use. They've drank themselves stupid. They're through their divorce already. They don't know what side's up anymore. They're out of the work and they, don't ha and they have nothing left. And in that moment, sitting there at the table, in desperation, they look to you, a citizen of heaven, and they say, I don't know what's going on. That's the moment that God calls a herald the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul says next. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I want to talk about that just for a minute this morning. The good news of Jesus Christ, and we sing about it, and we talk about it, is that God sent his son to this earth to walk around with us, to love us, and then to give his life for us. It's why we have a cross up here. It's why some of you put a cross on your stuff, you know, like you got a, I don't know what it is, a Bible of the cross, your car, you got one in your yard, or your house, your wall, your neck. Because the good news is that Jesus died for all of our sins. But I want to tell you something about this idea of Christ. It's Jesus is the promised one from God. He wasn't just like a convenient person that was in the right place. He was the one that before the earth began, he was ordained to be Messiah. He was coming to his people. He was going to reveal himself to the nations. It was God's plan. And here in the middle of this brokenness, Christ comes and gives himself for all of us. Dies for all of our sins. I heard something recently that blew me away. I hadn't thought about it before. I'm a pastor for a while, right? I hadn't thought about it before. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for future sins. Now, I want to talk to you because you say, well, so what, right? But some of us think we should, you know, we, we should stop sinning, but some of us think we should be sin-free, right, if you know Christ. But he died for future sins, and that means before you were born, he died for your sins if you know him as Savior. He died for all of your sins. And that also means if you believe the gospel, he died for the sins that you have yet to commit. And that's, that's a crazy gospel, but that's the gospel of Jesus, And so all of a sudden, when we become good heralds of the gospel, it's not good news that we're here. It's good news. God sent the Messiah to the world. And I'm coming to tell you about him. He is the one. And then we talk about the cross and sacrifice that God gave his life for our sins. Christ, Messiah on the cross, died to forgive our sins. But then check this out. Paul says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And I want to tell you something else, that with this believing in Jesus, not only do you have the Messiah who's come, right? But you all, and now you have forgiveness of your sins, but you also 
have the anointing of God on your life as a believer. That's crazy stuff. That means that when Jesus saved you, he didn't just save you passively. Like, okay, I'll let that one into heaven. And then he just lets you go about your business. That's not the way God works. What it says is that at the moment you believe the gospel, he imparted his Holy Spirit in you to control your life, to call you out, to send you forth, to be a herald of good news to others. It's a fundamental function of who we are. And I know for some of us, it's a big step to even do it once. I mean, to even try or to even you know, do anything. I mean, we just think, I can't believe I'm going to do that, right? But the truth is that the Spirit of God living in us wars to come out. He longs to use us for his purposes. And this is also the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus. That we have been imparted with the Spirit of God to go into all nations proclaiming good news. And it's not ours to control. It's not for us to control or dictate. So Paul says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, including this anointing you've received. And I just want to stop for a second and say this. If you've been believing a long time, you're like, man, Bill, I've been a Christian a long time. I don't sense any special call from God. I don't sense any anointing of the Spirit. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It's kind of weird stuff. I don't get it or whatever. Man, I would love to pray with you about that. And I'm not saying it in any superstitious way, but just say, God, if you have something that you're doing that you want done, that you're compelling them toward, you know, move. I mean, be open to what God is doing in your life. Conduct yourselves. Whatever happens, by the way, remember that? Life or death, whatever happens. By the way, I want to say this. Um, I would never, ever believe that God only works in missions. Don't believe it. I would never believe there was someone who believed the gospel, stayed home, took care of the family, died on the farm, that God wasn't using them and his Holy Spirit in their lives profoundly. Right? It's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that every person who knows Christ has his spirit in them. And that some of us need to follow him, be obedient to him. Some of us need to go and find true life. And um, maybe that's you. I don't know. Maybe that's you. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with that whole idea. So here's the question, and we're going to roll through some text quickly now. Um, so how do, we, how do we live a manner in a manner worthy of the gospel? And this is going to, so I've laid all that stuff out to you, but how can we actually live a life worthy of the gospel? Because I already told you, like, gospel is top shelf stuff, man. That's Jesus, God stuff. We don't, but here, I want you to see what Paul says. We're just going to walk through it. Paul says this to the church in Philippi, then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, right, either way, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. He says that one way we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel is we contend for the faith. It means we believe. We believe. And if you think that believing is like a one time I believed and I believe and that's it, I'm done believing, like that's not, believing is an active thing. It's an ongoing uh, struggle, I would even say sometimes, right? When you're presented with uh, things that contradict what you believe. I mean, it's this active process. 
He says, whether I see you or hear you, I will know you're contending as one man for the gospel. You are standing firm in the faith, standing firm together. That's one way we can conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel is by believing the gospel. And I would say, man, if you don't believe, tell yourself the gospel again. Remind yourself. Maybe this morning you need to remind yourself, Jesus died for all of my sins, and he has called me into a new life, and he did not abandon me to where I was. Maybe you need to hear it again for yourself, that God is the God of transformation, and he's leading his people to the promised land. But you can believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. And then check it out. Next thing then. Continuing as one man for the gospel. 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. I want to say one, two things. People will oppose you. And, and when we've seen people go on mission trips and stuff, we, there's always conversations about this is a dumb idea. Somebody's got to say it, and they always, somebody always says it. This is a dumb idea. Why are you doing this? As a church, we do mission and stuff. This is a dumb idea. Whenever we go even down to the PB&J and put a PB&J stand and give away popsicles, people, this is a dumb idea. Why are we doing this? You know, I mean, everything is a dumb idea. You know, why are we at the middle school? That's a dumb idea. <laughs> like, everything, in some ways, someone has an opinion about being a, a dumb idea. It says this, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Let me tell you something about the world you live in. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Man, that's the world we live in, right? Be afraid. Like, the news organization's job is to scare the bejesus out of you. I'm just kidding. Their job is to scare the Jesus out of you. But Jesus isn't a real thing. <laughs> Be afraid. Don't take risks. Don't do that. Don't believe the God. Be afraid. He says, no. Be, having no fear without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Man, there is nothing more exciting to me than seeing someone who says, man, God has called me and empowered me to do this ministry, and I'm going to do it no matter what. And Paul was that guy. You know his story. And he's telling the church in Philippi, be those people, man, that say, I'm doing this because God called me to do it. Not being frightened by anyone who would oppose you. That's crazy instruction from the Apostle Paul without being frightened, but it gets crazier. Check it out. This, what? Your faithfulness, your obedience, in spite of opposition, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Now, that's scary, because it literally says, for those who are opposing the work of the gospel, it's a sign that they're going to be destroyed. Do you, want, do you think that when you go in the name of God, when you, when you live your life in that way, do you think that there are those who see that and are threatened by that? What the Bible says, it's a sign to them. God is real. This isn't a joke. And, and, and there are going to be implications if you continue to not believe the gospel. And he says what? A sign to you that you will be saved. A recognition. I was listening to some music this week, and it was an old hymn sang by a new dude, and it said, um, uh, Jesus, Jesus, um, I can't remember the lyrics right now, but it said, how I've proved you o'er and o'er. O'er is a funny word, by the way. It's over without the V. Use it in a conversation this week. That's my challenge. O'er and o'er. <laughs> but he says, how I've proved you o'er and o'er. Like, the faith is proven in these moments of being a herald. 
This faith has proven in these moments contention and belief. How I've proved you over and over. I love that. Without being frightened, a sign that they will be, you will be saved and that by God. And again, I will say this, and th this is kind of the next question. You're like, are, um, why are you worthy? What makes you worthy anyway? I love that question. What makes you so special? Here's the answer. What is it? Nothing. <laughs> That's my answer. What makes you so special? Nothing. Nothing about me is special, man. Nothing, right? Saved by God. God's special. God's saving me. God's sending me. Nothing special about me, man. I mean it. You think it's so special about me? You're wrong. Nothing special. It's God. So cool. What makes us worthy anyway? The gospel makes us worthy. What makes us worthy anyway? The cross makes us worthy. The reality of the gospel in our lives makes us worthy. Jesus Christ makes us worthy and nothing else and no one else. No one else. Sometimes I'm asked to sign papers on whose authority. By the way, one of my favorite movies, Blues Brothers, old school, classic, right? We're on a mission from who? Yeah, you guys know it. Some of you guys know that. We're on a mission from God. Right? The band! Anyways, so we're, we're on a mission from God. You, you show up. Whose authority do you have? God. I'm on a mission from God. No one else. No other name. Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's the gospel. That makes us worthy. The name of Jesus Christ. Don't ever make that mistake. Don't get caught in that trap of, of saying, I'm good enough, or, or trying to give your credentials. Well, I've gone and studied here and there, and I've read these books, and I know these things. No, you don't, man. It's Jesus Christ. He saved you. He's revealing truth to you. If you understand Scripture, it's the Spirit of God working through you to understand Scripture. It's not your own knowledge. You don't have any wisdom of yourself, right? It's God. Don't make that mistake. And please don't get stuck in a trap of, I'm not good enough. Because you're right. But God has sent you. It's Jesus Christ who's good enough. Jesus makes us worthy. And then here's the last question. We're going to close with this. Where do we find our value? Right? I'm going to read the rest of this so you can hear it. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, so there's some of what we do as Christians, but also to suffer for him. That's a crazy verse, suffer for Jesus, since you are going through the same struggles that you saw that I had and hear that I still have. The reality is that our value is found in the cross of Christ. So, that's the truth. Where do I get value from in my life? I see a lot of people in this life, in this fear-filled world, be afraid, be very afraid, who are seeking value in other things, and they don't believe the gospel, which is this. Your father knew you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are precious to him, and he sent his son to die for you. And that is a place to receive value. No one, no one can take it. No one can take it from you. Eternally valuable. If you ever think yourself worthless, look to the cross. Would Jesus die for worthless people? Would he? Would God send his son for people who aren't worth his time? I don't believe he does. We see our value. We see our call. We see our opportunity.
all on the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray with me in a moment, but I want you to think about that. I mean, really, where do you derive value? Where do you find worth in your life? Or this, what is your life worth? Pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, we thank you today for the time with you in your word, and we thank you for the time together as your people. We only pray that your Holy Spirit would break through in our lives that are so stuck, stuck in where we are. Father, I pray that we would have open hearts and minds to hear the gospel rightly. I pray, Father God, that we would know more fully the truth of who you are, of who Jesus is, of the work that he did in our lives. For brothers and sisters today who don't know you as Savior, I pray that they would come to believe the gospel. I can't even imagine, Father, when you look at your children what you see of infinite worth, of infinite value. And Father, for many, we struggle to understand what we're worth. Why would you pay such a price for us? And I pray that we would follow you and let you teach us. Let you teach us what we're worth. How precious we are to you. May you be glorified as we continue to believe the gospel every day. May you go before us on our mission field, wherever that is, and compel us to be heralds of the gospel. We give you praise and glory for the chance to worship you today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.